Hey, this is Doug Eccles. We want to welcome you to our podcast, Got Better Things for You. The Bible talks about this young man that he followed his father. His father was king before him, but now he's 25 years old and he's the king. Now, I don't know what that, you know, we, I don't know. Uh, I was at the gym the other day and I heard some guys talking, man, what we need is a 20-year-old president. And I thought, man, we're not doing that good with an old one either. Okay, whatever that means. But I know that, can you imagine the pressure on a young man, 25 years old, but it said he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. How many understand that this Bible right here is given by inspiration of God? So those words are there on purpose, and they are there for a reason. So how we do things and with what attitude we do them, the Lord notices. Some of us will do the right thing just because, you know, that's the right thing. I don't really want to do it, but I'm going to do it. But the Lord notices the attitudes in which we do them because those words would not be in there if he didn't notice, yet not with a whole heart. He didn't give it his all. Sometimes we do things just because we're supposed to. But let's skip on down to Second Chronicles 25, verse number 5. And then Amaziah men of Judah and set them by fathers' houses under commanders of thousands and of hundreds for all Judah and Benjamin. He mustered those 20 years old and upward and found that they were uh, 300,000 choice men fit for war, able to handle spear and shield. He hired also 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. But a man of God came to him and said, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, with all these Ephraimites or those from the north, but go, act, be strong for the battle. Why should you suppose that God will cast you down before the enemy? For God has power to help or to cast down. And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do about the hundred talents that I have given to the army of Israel? The man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. That's what I want to talk about tonight. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Now, Amaziah had 300,000 men in his army that knew how to use the weapons. But in his mind, uh, evidently, he thought it was not enough. We could still lose. And so I'm going to hire 100,000 mercenaries. Now, uh, I, I know that uh, I'm going to connect here with uh, uh, Lisa for a moment. Lisa went to Guatemala. We were talking about it, and we've been to Guatemala, our family, many times. But usually when we go to Guatemala, we uh, go out somewhere, and when we leave, we stay at a nice hotel kind of closer to the airport before we leave. And usually there's guys at the airport hotel or that hotel wearing cargo pants, and they look 
look kind of ex-military. They got the haircut. They look all muscly, and and uh, you probably wouldn't want to mess with them. They're probably mercenaries. Either the government has brought them in to teach their uh, army some things, or uh, maybe the opposition to the government has brought them in. There's some shady stuff that happens in countries. Are you understanding me? We see some shady stuff in this country. So let's not get, pat ourselves on the back too much. But he decided that he needed 100,000 men. Now, when I, I have a Bible that is from about 1950 with notes in it, and so that was about $750,000 worth of silver in 1950. I don't know what it would be today, but it would probably be a billion dollars worth of money. And now he's saying, look, uh, Lord, I paid for these guys. Now you're telling me I, I can't use them because uh, it's going to mess us up. There's sometimes you ought not get hooked up with people you shouldn't be hooked up with. The Bible's very clear that uh, uh, evil companionships corrupt good morals. There's times that you need to clean house. What fellowship does God have with light? And what fellowship does Satan have with God? And what uh, it says that we ought to come out from among them and be separate. That's still a good message to preach today. But the Word of God here was from the man of God. He said, uh, hey, don't use those men. Uh, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with these from the north, uh, with the Ephraimites, but go and be strong in battle. And why should you suppose, verse number 8, that God will cast you down before the enemy, for God has power to help or to cast down? Amaziah thought he could lose. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, the Word of God tonight uh, is simply this, Psalm 118.6, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear, what can man do unto me? The Bible said in Hebrews, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Word of God says in Isaiah 41.10, fear thou not, for I am with thee not dismayed. I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So if we got the Lord on our side, why do we think we got to have some help from the outside? God is the, our source. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. See, sometimes we look at our situation like Amaziah. Amaziah looks at what he's facing. He said, I don't know. I don't want to lose. I don't know. I wake up at 4 in the morning, and I'm stressing out over a situation, and I'm wondering how it's going to work out, and I, I try to work it out on my own, but why do you think tonight that God would let you and I lose? Some of you have been losing sleep over your situation, but I'm here to tell you the Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So why should you worry tonight? night when you know that joy comes in the morning. Why should I lose my sleep tonight when I know that joy comes in the morning? You cannot lose with God on your side. I'm preaching better than your amen. And I didn't preach a shouting sermon this morning, but that was a place to shout right there. Somebody say amen. I believe tonight that God would rather set you up than set you down. See, he's telling you're going to get messed up if you get hooked up with the wrong folks. You need to not worry about that. And then uh, uh, I, I know that uh, we think about this, but, you know, we serve a God of mercy. 
And mercy is God's nature. But with that being said, we are full gospel preachers here. We are full gospel people here. And mercy is God's nature, but the truth is judgment uh, will come for everyone. There is going to be a day of judgment for everyone. We pray that we will be at the judgment seat of Christ. We don't want to be at the great white throne judgment. I'm going to tell you, I think about this all the time. A lot of people are, are, are uh, you know, they get these things confused, but the truth is we are going to stand before a just judge. We have judges in America that will not uphold the law will not uphold uh, the Constitution, but I'm going to tell you one day every one of us will stand before a judge and we will get what is coming to us, whether it's good or bad. If you don't do it God's way, I'm going to tell you there will be consequences. He was saying, look, if you go ahead with those 100,000 men, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be some consequences. When we fight with God, we receive his help. When we fight against God, it is to have God, he will overthrow us. Tonight, I want to say, number one, do not limit the God of limits. Do not limit the God of no limits. Tonight, I don't know what your situation is. Amaziah, he must have felt, well, I don't know. We got a pretty good army, but we need a little bit more help. See, I think it's time that we understand uh, that uh, we serve a God of no limits. There is no limitation with God. We can limit what God does in us by assuming what is and what is not possible. So there is no uh, limit to what God can do if we will use faith. There's a limit to which you can help yourself. There's a limit to which uh, any man, woman, or institution can help you. There are problems you can never solve by your limited wisdom, by your limited power, by your limited ability, by your limited financial resources, but God's help is worth far more to you than anything else. Can I get an amen in here? Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 9. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. He said, hey, what, what about the money? I'm losing that money I gave to those mercenaries. What about the money? The man of God said, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Why don't you lean over to your neighbor and say that to him right now? The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Come on, tell somebody. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. See, there's some people that you go through something and you think, well, I guess I, I, I'm on a downward sp spiral. I guess it's not going to work out. You know, there's people that go through divorce, and, and I want to just say to that person that went through divorce, I want to say the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Do you realize that the will of God is contrary to your senses? Many times it will take faith because the Bible says that faith is the substance of things not seen. See, we like to see it. I just can't see how we're going to win with 300,000. I just don't see how we're going to make it. 
I've been watching the news. I'm biting my nails. I've been, I, 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 I have all this anxiety going on, but the will of God will be contrary to your senses. It's going to take faith. Faith is what connects you to the unlimited power of God. Faith is what pleases God. Faith is which in turn empowers you uh, to do the impossible. Faith will enable you to perform the impossible. Moses stretched out his hand over the Red Sea by faith, and the waters parted from side to side, and the children of Israel walked over on dry ground. It took faith that enabled them to have that happen. Faith will uh, enable you to dare the undareable. We got the three Hebrew children that said, well, we are not going to bow. We will not eat your meat, and we will not drink your wine. And uh, they came out after the testing, and they were ten times better. And yet uh, then uh, they were told they had to bow when the music began to play. They said, we will not bow. They got a second chance. When the music uh, plays, you got to bow. They said, we will not bow. And they said, we will throw you into the fiery furnace. They said, if it be so, our God is able to deliver us. See, they were able by faith uh, to dare the unbearable. And when they went into that uh, fiery furnace, the men that threw them in, they were swallowed up in the fire because it was seven times hotter. But there they are in the middle of the fire. And the king, he said, I see three, but no, I see four men in the fire. And I'm going to tell you something. They came out of that fire and they didn't even smell like smoke. I believe some of you going through some things. And uh, I'm going to tell you the smells trying to get on you. Yesterday at lunch, I went to Clark's Crew Barbecue. It's one of my favorite places. One of my friends is the general manager there. And my cousin, he wanted to go back into the uh, where they cook. And we went back there, and they got these expensive, uh, uh, you know, you know, ginormous barbecues. You know, what you have in your backyard, but multiply it by thousands and thousands of dollars. And we went back there, and I came out of there. I smelled like smoke, but I didn't smell like Marlboro. There's a difference. Nothing wrong with a little barbecue smoke, all right? Are you with me? But these guys, I'm going to tell you, you can't get around smoke and not smell. You can't get around fire and not smell. But they came out not even smelling like the world. I'm going to tell you something. Faith will uh, enable you to conquer the unconquerable. And I'm going to tell you, you find that David, here he is. All of those young men lined up, all the brothers. Is this the one? No. Is this the one? They get down to the last brother, and he says, these are not the ones I'm looking for. What we got one more. We got the scrawniest, the puniest of them all out in the field minding the sheep, but something happened. This is the David that uh, was able to conquer the unconquerable. He comes out to the valley, which we know one day they will fight the valley, uh, uh, the battle of Armageddon in that valley, and they think that Goliath and David fought in that same valley, and uh, I've been there. I, you can see it clearly from Mount Carmel, and I, it's a wonderful place. Even Napoleon said that this will be the place where the greatest battle of the world will be fought. Now, that's interesting. It's coming, 
But I'm going to tell you, you and I, we're going to come back. We're coming back. And I'm going to tell you, I think right now in heaven, they're getting the horses ready. I don't know if you like to ride horses, but we're coming back on horses. I don't know what that means, but I can just tell you this. I, I, you know, I'm ready to ride because I'm riding with the rider of all riders, and he defeats uh, the Antichrist with his word, and we win that battle. How many glad for that? But David steps out there and says, who does this uncircumcised Philistine think he is? Who does he think he is? By faith, he was able to conquer the unconquerable. I'm going to tell you tonight, I believe the Lord can give you much more than this. See, our success, it hinges on obedience. It hinges on obedience. See, we like to talk about increase. You realize with what's going on in the world, we need to have increase. But he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. We've got to get it right. We've got to get it right. Our success hinges on obedience. Listen, the abundant life and all multiply and increase. God said to him he was able to give him much more than this if he would only obey. And I don't know what was going on in his mind. He could have said, well, I've invested a lot in this. I'm going to have all my advisors mad at me because I spent that money. And now you're telling me to let them go. Think about that. What should I do with the investment of my money, my time, my ability? See, some of us are unwilling to do what God says because of a habit that we have or a, a hobby that we have or a project that we got going on or a relationship that we're involved in. Listen, I grew up in Woodward. And back in the day, uh, 1947, Woodward had a tornado like you had in Moore, okay? I think the one in Woodward even had more people die, but that doesn't make it better. It just I'm just saying it was horrible. But in 1947, we didn't have uh, Gary England. You know what I'm talking about? Remember him? All right. I, I turned on the TV last Sunday night after church in, in, in the hotel I was at, and they were playing Twister, and I, I, I immediately don't watch that because, man, I, we get enough real Twister in Oklahoma. I don't want Twister on TV, all right? But on that movie, Gary England's in that movie, and uh, he was from Sealing, Oklahoma. His parents owned a little grocery store right downtown Sealing. And we'd drive through ceiling and see it when we'd come to the city, you know, because we had to come here to get our teeth fixed and our feet fixed. And, you know, any problems that we had, we came to the city. You know, my dad came down here all the time to pray for people at the hospital. But you think about this. In the day when I was growing up in Woodward, you didn't have the, the good weather uh, radar that we have now. That's not the word I'm looking, but I'll use it, okay? We didn't have the forecast as good as we have it now, all right? Now, sometimes they get it wrong. Thank God they get it wrong, you know, but if they're not griping about bad weather, then they don't have anything to be, you know, we don't even need to watch them. You realize that? So you got to take it all in a little bit. You know, they're saying, we're going to have the worst week ever, you know, and then nothing happens. You know, if they cry wolf enough, I'm not going to believe them. But when I was a kid, 
They would say, in Higgins, Texas, there's a bad storm coming, and Woodward better get ready. Higgins was about 45 minutes or so west of Woodward, I guess. And, and uh, we would all... We would go to the church and open up the church, and everybody would come to the basement. All of us kids loved it. Now, you know, when we have a tornado in Oklahoma, all we got to do is watch what happens to Oklahoma City for us in Tulsa. If it's bad there, it's going to get bad. But about an hour and a half or so, kind of runs about 80 miles an hour up I-44. Somehow that happens. All right? But we get a little warning. But when it gets into Tulsa... Uh, I live about 131st. They'll say there's a tornado at 111th and Mingo. It's coming to 131st. If you're in that area, take shelter now. So it's much better. But when I was a kid, they would come on and they would say, hey, uh, Sunday, uh, the, uh, on Monday, we are going to have bad, bad weather and probably have hail. Now, we were in our church, we had a bunch of farmers. Lots of wheat farmers. And wheat farm harvest was uh, end of May, the beginning of June. That's still why in Oklahoma we let our kids out of school earlier than most states. Because there was a time when everybody, if you had 12 kids, all 12 kids worked in the harvest. Okay? Now we've sold our farms to China. And now they made all of our farms marijuana. Okay, whatever. Didn't mean to go there. But I, I, I like to stick my foot in a lot of stuff, don't I? But when I was a boy, we'd hear there's going to be bad storms on Monday. But on Sunday, there was not a farmer in my dad's church, even though it was in the middle of harvest. They worked probably up till midnight sometimes with lights on on Saturday. But when Sunday hit... They would be in church. And they weren't sitting there going, oh, tomorrow, t- tomorrow we're gonna, they're gonna, it's going to destroy our crop. When the, when the hail comes, it'll destroy. They, they honored the Lord, and they were obedient, and they kept the Sabbath day holy. And somehow, that, it didn't stop sometimes uh, hail from coming, but they would, uh, the other farmers would all be out in the field And yet these men that served God were in the house of God on Sunday and not working. And when they finally got their crop, the yield was bigger for the guys that went to church than the guys that stayed and tried to get it in before the storm came. You say, how does that work? Look at Chick-fil-A. Okay, I don't, I don't know how godly they are on everything, but they stay shut down on Sunday. Now, listen to this. They are closed on Sunday, and yet a few years ago they took a stance on some things, and, and everybody seemed like, we're going to shut them down. They're not shutting down in Tulsa. During corona, they got bigger. And they don't have just one lane. They got three lanes. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know how that works because, okay, on this front row, if I were sitting there, out of the four of us, I'm not a big Chick-fil-A fan, all right? Okay? They love it. All right? They're, oh, let's go to Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, I'm, it's like Chinese food. I'm hungry in an hour after I eat there. Okay? 
because I'm getting like a little boy's meal. Give me little eight pieces, little pity pieces of chicken. How am I supposed to be happy with that? That's not a happy meal to me. All right? Eight little piece nuggets and then these potato things that taste gross to me. Okay? Now I'll go there. But how are they making a killing on kids' chicken meals? They put God first. Listen to me, church. If you put God first in this day that we live, you will never come in last. If you put God first, you will never come in last. Somebody say amen. See, when you give in obedience to the Lord, you cannot outgive God, and whatever you give to God will never be for nothing. Noah obeyed God, and look what happened. It saved his family. Some of us need to obey God to save our family. Amaziah, he should have known this. He's the king, and I'm guarantee he knew that his name, the very name Amaziah means the Lord strengthens. He should have known that the Lord will make it up to you. He should have known that his name, the Lord strengthens. I don't need a hundred thousand men. I've got a name given to me by God Then my name is the Lord strengthens. I don't know who you think you are. You may not have the name Amaziah, but I'm going to tell you we are named by God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have royal blood flowing in our veins. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Are you hearing me? I don't know who you think you are, but with him on our side, we cannot lose. We cannot lose. He's the El Shaddai. He's the God that's more than enough. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God that provides. He's the one that said, I have come to give you abundant life. I'm here to tell you something. There are many times in this life we don't get what we deserve. Somebody say, thank God for that. See, you know, if the Lord had given Amaziah what he deserved, just go ahead and work with those guys that are against me. See how that works out. See, we're not to be unequally yoked. We use that for marriage. But it's, uh, there's sometimes we need to probably not hook up with everybody that comes along. Come on, are you with me here? See, the Lord will spare you from your own thinking. He thought, the only way I could win is beef up my army. I got to buy an army. But he said, the loss will be made up by God. Listen to me tonight. Anything you attempt to do to obey God will not go unrewarded. See, sometimes we're like, biting our, you know, what should I do? I, you know, listen, sometimes, let me give you a, a dumb example. You're, you're driving down the road, uh, and somebody is out panhandling. You know what I'm talking about? We got it all over now. And you go, well, if I give them money, they're going to go get drugs. Well, are they? I don't know. But if I attempt to do it as a blessing from God, I will still not go unrewarded. See, sometimes we go, well, I gave to so-and-so's ministry, and they turned out to be a scout. I'm going to tell you, anything you attempt to do to obey God will not go unrewarded. Listen, I'm going to make a real quick story, and I'm going to, I'm going to try to make it as vague as possible because I think Garrett's videoing, okay? But I was preaching at a church on a subject that was legal in America, but the Bible's against it, okay? And I, I threw a bunch of stuff that's legal in America, but the Bible's against it. It doesn't matter. And I said, I don't care, what, I don't care if, the, uh, if the, everybody says it's okay. If the Bible's against it, I'm against it. That's all. I, I, I was preaching it pretty, pretty just generic 
And I got a preacher mad at me. He said, I don't want you to talk like that in my church anymore. All right, and I said, I didn't, I didn't, I said, why? You know, and I, you know, you know I'm a smart aleck, so I smarted off a little bit. And I figured I'd never preach there again, all right? I got a phone call, hey man, come and preach. And uh, I, I'm not preaching. I'm going to tell you something. I never had, I, I've been preaching uh, since 1983, so what is it, almost 40 years now. The first 30 years of preaching, I never had anybody tell me, don't preach on this. Sister LaDonna's never told me, don't preach on something. Just do whatever the Lord tells you. Brother Stafford, he never said, Brother Doug, don't. That guy preached on anything. And about it, he didn't care. If it's in the Bible, he's going to preach it. But I'm getting in this day, preachers saying, don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. Don't talk about, do you, do you know I need to be any more clear? And when people do that, I'm done. Because if it's in your doctrine, if I stay within the 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God, I ought to be able to preach whatever I want. I've had them tell me, don't talk about speaking in tongues. And, they, and I said, well, tongues is one of the 16 fundamental truths that it is the initial physical evidence. One has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, we don't believe it like that anymore. I said, well, you're a liar because every year you fill out a paper and say you still believe that and you have to sign it. And if you don't, you ought to be called in on it. So I get called to preach. At a place he told me I can't preach on something that God's against. I, don't, I, it, I probably wouldn't know. Once you tell me I can't, I am going to get on it. You, you got that? And I didn't want to get in a fight with him, so I, I said, look, I can't. I was going to go on a mission trip. I just extended it so I couldn't be there the Sunday he wanted me to be there. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like you know, getting into it. But I'm going to tell you, I got off the phone and I kind of... My flesh started being bothered because I gave up a huge offering. Are you understanding me? You realize not everybody gives me a good offering. Oh, why are we talking about, you've already given me in the offering, relax. But not everywhere do I leave blessed. Okay, there's places I go that really bless me, and then there's places I go, it's almost like a missions trip. Okay? Even this year, I got $300 one week. Okay? I can't make it on $300. I got a lot of people getting out of both pockets, okay? You, we're not preaching on Kenya for free. We're not preaching uh, all these things for free. We don't do wells for free. We're not feeding kids for free. You know, understand? So I just told you that because I got some pressure at times, but the Lord's my source. But I'm stressing a little bit because this guy's offering would be like five or six churches all added together, okay? Are you with me? Like five or six weeks all, and I'm like, but the Lord is able to give you much more than this. 20 minutes later, I get a phone call. Meet me at a, re, uh, a coffee shop. A guy wants to, he'd been on a mission trip with me. Just an average guy. 
I get there, and he said, well, the Lord told me to sell all my welding equipment that I haven't been using. I got a big trailer. I got all this welding equipment. He said, and uh, I got a bunch of guns. I'm going to sell all of them. I, I went, How, which one can I buy? <laughs> okay. But he said, the Lord told me to give it to your ministry. Well, I don't count my chickens before they hatch. Until it's in my palm, I haven't got anything. Because I got people say, when my ship comes in, you know, when I, my settlement happens, when the, you know, and they're in the grave. And there's nothing in there. So I, I don't count it until it gets in there. But within about three weeks, I had a check bigger than what I would have got at the church that told me, you can't preach on this. Folks, the Lord is able to do much more than this. Are you hearing me? I, what you think, uh, uh, money must never stand in the way of making a right decision. Whatever obedience costs, it's always cheaper than disobedience. Man, this is preaching right here, folks. Number three, let me get on here. God's favor is priceless. His favor will take you where your talent will not. The Lord's favor is priceless. It's worth more than any amount of money. His favor will send you to the top when you should not. His grace uh, has brought me safe thus far. How many times have we sang that? That grace is his favor. Grace is favor. Kindness shown toward mankind by the Lord Jesus. His grace hath brought me safe this far. Are you with me? God's favor. His grace is priceless. Remember Joseph? He was uh, overlooked. He was talked about. He's plotted against and he still came out on top. Somebody tonight, you've been talked about. You've been overlooked. You've been plotted against. But I declare tonight you will still come out on top because of the Lord's favor. Favor can do what is naturally impossible. God can locate you anywhere to give you favor. He can bring you a favor. David is the shepherd boy. God got a hold of him. Moses was on the backside of the desert. God knew how to locate him. Saul was on the road to Damascus and had an encounter with the power of God. God can get a hold of anybody, and maybe we need to pray that way for some of these political figures that God gets a hold of them on the road to Damascus. They might be on the road to Kiev, but let God get a hold of them. They might be on the uh, road uh, uh, to Washington, D.C., but let God get a hold of them. I'm telling you, folks, maybe we ought to quit that they have a funeral and pray that God gives them a miracle, that God changes their heart. If we still believe the Word of God, God can change the vilest sinner. God can change you. He said, if any man be in Christ, old things are passed away and all things became new. This man, Saul, was known to be the meanest man to, uh, uh, to the church of the day, and yet God got a hold of him. God can get a hold of some of these uh, losers that are politicians in this world. Did I just say that? Yes. Because they are. Without Jesus, you're a loser. But with, with the Lord, you're a winner every time. How many know what I'm saying? I don't care if you own the biggest bank in Oklahoma City. Without Jesus, you are a loser. But with Jesus, that's when you become a winner. I don't care uh, who you think you are. You might have all these names and uh, letters before your name and letters after your name because of all the degrees. But without Jesus, you're absolutely nothing. But with Jesus, you become a somebody. You become a an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen.
See, one moment of God's favor can catapult you into a new arena. I want to read something to you in Amos, the ninth chapter. I don't have it on PowerPoint. Um, my PowerPoint girl's sitting right on the front row. So she might have to help me with this. Is it okay to find Amos? Amos 9, 13. Now we know this is coming in a day, probably after even the second coming when this verse will come into full fruition. But I'm telling you, some of this stuff is beginning to happen now. The time is running short. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that sows seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. And Amos 9.13. See, some of you need to have an Amos 9.13 moment. Uh, are you hearing me? When he exceeds what you expect, and he increases everything you invest, and he accelerates your time to accomplish uh, kingdom uh, purposes through your life. I believe we're living in a day where we need God to accelerate some things that even before we get the harvest in, the next harvest is coming. Because God, I'm telling you, he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. I know there's a falling away, but those are some church people. That's up to them. But I'm going to tell you, in the world, God is looking for somebody else to get saved. He's looking for somebody else uh, to give their heart to Jesus. That's why he's held back Jesus. That's why the trumpet has not sounded. And that's why the shout has not gone up yet, because he wants somebody more to get saved and I believe we're coming in those days where some things are going to speed up and I'm praying for God to give us some Amos 9.13 moments that the harvest comes in and another harvest is right behind it. I had a preacher, I went with him to Mexico and I'd gone to Mexico and I did the daytime services. He did the night. He's a very famous preacher. And I thought it was, man, this is God hooking us up, okay? And uh, I ate lunch with him every day, and there's a lot of things going on there. I really liked him, but I, I noticed his doctrine was getting a little weird, okay? And uh, his mentor was Lester Summerall. And Lester Summerall is a uh, somebody we used to have at our church when I was very young and my dad met him in 1950 at a CA rally where Lester raised over uh, $10,000 in 1950 for missions. That'd be a lot of money today at a youth rally. Okay, so Lester Summerall was his mentor and Lester, uh, you know, was, had good doctrine. And uh, I was sitting with this famous pastor at lunch, and I said, Will, if, if Lester Summerall was still alive, would, would you guys still be on the same page? Because he was kind of preaching some kingdom theology. We ought to have some kingdom-mindedness, okay? But the truth is, kingdom theology uh, or kingdom now theology is that the world's going to get better and better because Christians are going to get better and better, and we're going to take over. Well, that's not working very good right now. It, you know, and they've been going on that since in the 1980s at least, you know. So, uh, so now they're 40 years later, and it's gotten worse. It didn't get better. So I'm pretty sure just by, you know, example, it's not working. 
And he was, and a lot of those guys don't believe in the coming of the Lord. They don't believe in the rapture because they th- they say we're all escapists. Well, I am escapist. I'm gonna escape the I'm gonna escape the tribulation because Jesus told me to pray that I might be counted worthy to escape. Okay, so I'm going with Jesus over your stupid theology. Okay. I said, would you be on the same page with Lester Summer? And I was trying, I was really talking about that, but I didn't want to, you know, this guy's world famous. I'm the weenie in the steakhouse. You understand what that is? That's like, you know, eating a a quick trip hot dog when you're at Cattleman's Cafe. That's He said, well, if Lester was alive, we wouldn't be even in the same book. I was like, ooh, that's not good. So at the last night of the meeting, we all went out to eat. A bunch of American pastors and uh, all his leadership from Mexico. And we went to the World Trade Center in Mexico City. It's a big, giant building that has a restaurant on top that spins around very slowly. But in an hour, I think you go c- completely around in a circle. Beautiful place. And uh, this pastor. He's sitting at the end, I'm sitting beside him, and the waiter comes, and he stands up, and he clinks his glass. He said, hey, look, guys, we're going to, because we've had so much success in this meeting, he said, we're going to celebrate tonight. And he got this weird look in his eye. He said, we're going to celebrate tonight. We're going to order wine. And I, I mean, it just like everything drops in me because I don't, I'm going to be straight with you. I don't think you should even have a thimble full. Okay. You, you want me to preach on that? I will. But I, you, you say, well, I don't know. Well, I could, we can go there. You want your little woke Jesus where you go drink with him and he becomes like you? No, I got Jesus that comes in and whips everybody that does stupid stuff. Okay. So I'm like, man, what do I do? What do I do? I'm a grown, you know, I'm a preacher. I've been preaching a long time, but I, I still don't know what to do because if I rebuke everybody, they're just going to laugh because I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the nobody that they allowed to speak during the day. If I get up and leave, it's not going to make any difference. What do I do? So they start here and they go around. The waiter says, you want red wine or white wine? Red or white, red or white, red or, all the way around. Finally, they come to me and I said, uh, I'll have red and white, por favor, Coca-Cola. I was the only one, all right? And they kind of, you know, the, this famous pastor, he kind of looks at me. He's sitting right beside me, but he didn't say anything. And, you know, I, wasn't, I wouldn't have said anything. If he'd have asked, you know, when we went to Italy to preach, uh, everywhere they went, they wanted us to drink all the time. I mean, it was crazy. The Assemblies of God people drink like fish. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, beer with your bread and then wine with the meal and, and then liquor with your dessert. And then they're looking like deer in the headlight. I'm pretty sure I know what that means, drunk. Okay? But we wouldn't do it. And, and they kept asking why. And I, I don't want, you know, I'm not here to fight. I'm there to preach. You know, let, the, let God get a hold of their life. Okay? So I didn't say anything. And I came home and Lori goes, how'd it go? And I said, it went good. I didn't tell her that story. I just, it just you know, because she knew this guy was, meant something to me. You know, and I was, I was a little bit, I was quite a bit younger. And about three weeks later, I get a phone call from his office. I said, Brother Doug, this is so-and-so's secretary. Uh, he wants you to go with him to Africa. And he named at the world's largest church in 
Lagos, Nigeria. Okay, this church, they have Holy Ghost Night on New Year's Eve, and the last one they had had over 4 million people there. 4 million. They, you, if you were healed, they had a bus that would take you from the back to the front so you could testify during that meeting. Okay, this is a huge place. God's moving all over the world. So quit looking at, you know, God's not moving with me. Well, the problem's not with God. All right, so she said, Pastor wants you to do the daytime services at the world's largest church. I start crying because I want to do it so bad. Secretary says, we look on your calendar, and it looks like you got these dates. Can you do it? And I said, well, I can, but I'm not. She said, why? I said, you figure it out. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Let me tell you how bad that was for me. Because that was at a time we just moved to Tulsa 20 years ago. I couldn't wait to leave the house sometimes 20 years ago because we were barely making it. And if I went, I got to eat good because the church I'd go to, they'd take me out to a good restaurant while the girls are all eating peanut butter and jelly at home. Now, there's nothing wrong with peanut butter and jelly when you don't have to. But it's not good when you have to. How many know what I'm talking about? But we had sold our home to do missions and lived in my parents' basement for six and a half years. We were sacrificing in obedience to God, and it was not looking like it was working out. Now I've got the world handed to me on a platter. Go preach at the world's largest church. You don't think that looked good on your resume? And I had to say no. But I'm going to tell you something. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. We're not eating peanut butter and jelly in my house unless we want to. Matter of fact, I don't eat bread, so I'm not having any. I'd like some, but I'm not having any. I'm saying no right now. Because I don't want to take any medicine for sugar. So I'm, I'm beating it by not eating it. Are you understanding me? But I'm going to tell you something. The Lord has blessed us. That was a time we could bear. I couldn't even pay a $200 car note without. Now, that doesn't, I'm not trying to tell you anything. I'm telling you this for a reason. God is able to bring abundance. God is able to give you much more. I'm going to tell you, but now we still live by faith. We live on a faith level, a different level. We're not believing God for peanut butter and jelly to get through. We're not believing for that $200 note. Are you understanding me? But we're believing God to reach more people, more people, more people. And I'm going to tell you, it is impossible to please God without faith. So no matter where you're at, you're going to be at a level where you still got to believe God for more. Are you with me? Listen, I'm about done here. I'm about done. We feel like we have the answer. We feel like we have the solution, the plan. But how many know that everything that's shiny is not always gold? Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thy own understanding. How many believe that's a, we like to pull that out of the grandma's bread box, you know, on the table. But we need to live by it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. Listen, I'm, I'm cutting this message. I'm, I'm going to go on down here. But I was thinking today, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. I got thinking about 
what Jesus said. If your earthly father wants to give you good gifts, how much more, how much more, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? See, some people, when Jesus went away, they think, man, be great if he was here. He said, I'll give you another comforter. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? I don't know, folks. We need more Holy Ghost. We need more of God. We need more of God. Deuteronomy 111 said, The Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times so much, uh, so many more as you are and bless you as he has promised you. If he'll do that in the Old Testament, he'll do that in the New Testament. He can make you more. And we need to start believing God for bigger things. We need to start believing God that the vilest sinner in our family can get saved. We need to start believing God that the mean as people in Oklahoma City start coming through the doors and giving their heart to Jesus. We need to start believing the altars are completely full week after week of people being saved. We need to start believing that this church starts reaching more through world missions than they've ever done. The best days are not in the past. They're still ahead. He's able to do much more than this. I didn't tell you this, but the guy that asked me to go to Nigeria about three days later after I said no, he was on the internet getting arrested by the highway patrol for drunk driving. But he still preaches all over the world. And all you got to do is tap his name and there it is. But nobody seems to care anymore. Folks, there's coming a day where everybody gets what's coming to him. But I'm going to tell you something. I want him to say, well done, that good and faithful, sir. Everybody stand in the people's